Let's go. So last week we had Pastor Jamie, and he kind of set us off in Romans 8, um, the first section of it, and it's the life of the Spirit. Um, if you flow sow into the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh's reward. If you flow, if you sow, I don't know, keep saying flow, sow into the Spirit, you're going to reap the reward of the Spirit. And one thing at the beginning of the year, I selfishly prayed as Pastor Marco announced that we were going to go through Romans. Romans chapter 8 is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And it so happened to be that God answered my selfish prayer because he gave me my favorite part of eight to preach. And it's about adoption and being an heir and a co-heir. It's a beautiful, I'm, I'm not royalty and I, and I wish I could be royalty. I wish I could be a part of the British family and, or any other type of royal family. But you know what? God says, it's okay. You're an heir, you're royalty in my family, you know? So when you see me out in the lobby, you could say, your highness. You know, Highness Elijah. I'm working on my wife to say Lord Elijah. It ain't never gonna happen, but you know. A man can dream, right? So we're gonna read from Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. Six beautiful verses, and it reads this way. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live According to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And that is the word of the Lord, and we say, amen. What's amazing about this, this is the first instance that adoption is being used. It's not a new thought to us because we're in the Western world, and so we've heard of adoption. We kind of know what it means. But contextually, in Romans, in the Bible, this is the first time it's used in Scripture. Adoption was more a customary procedure, a legal matter in the Roman society versus the Hebrew and the Near Eastern culture. So to the writers in, in, in Romans, he's, he's using it loosely because they understand what this adoption process means. So that's why it's written. And you just want to get some context so we understand why it's written. That's why it's the book of Romans, because the Romans knew, you know, the, what adoption was. So in this legal matter, in this legal procedure, there were some consequences to adoption contextually. I call them consequences because it's a legal matter. So there's consequences to it if you try to go against what just happened. So there's four consequences. The first consequence of this legal matter of adoption is the child who is being adopted lost all their rights in his old family and gained all the rights in his new family. The second consequence is now he's an heir to this new father, or he or she is an heir to this new father. Seeing those similarities and why he's using this term. Third one is the old life was completely wiped out, meaning those debts of that old family were canceled. You, you, seeing this, this, you seeing it? 
those things that we walked with, that pornography addiction, that sleeping around, all those things that we're trying to hide, when we accept Jesus, Jesus wipes those clean, and you come into this new family. Generational curses are, are not curses, chains are wiped out when you step into this new family. You're seeing the similarities when you join this new family. That's why he's using it. And the fourth one is in the eyes of the law, he was absolutely the son of the new father or daughter of the new father. And so Paul is using this beautiful picture of adoption that you were once belonged to someone less than, but because you received the free gift of Jesus Christ, you now step into this new family. You do nothing. The person who's being adopted did absolutely nothing except be available to be adopted. But we've seen time and time again, people are available to receive this free gift of salvation. They receive it, but they're not available to actually live out this adoption, actually become a part of this new family. And so you think of it like this. So usually what had happened was a very wealthy person in the Roman society wouldn't have an heir, and they would probably would have like a slave family. And the slave family had a son, and the master loved one of the sons and said, you know what, I'm going to free you of all the family's debt. You no longer will be a slave. You're going to be richly blessed when I die because everything I have is yours. The only thing is, which is a, it's a crazy dichotomy, is now you no longer can mix with your old family. And there might be some pain because, you know, I, I like partying with my family, you know what I'm saying? I like putting a couple back. Usher, Lil John, Ludacris, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that, you know? And I love church too. Why can't I have both? No, if you're coming into this new family, you live in the new family, how the new family has set before us, the Father. And so who are these children of God? Hopefully, by the end of this message, you'll be able to say, yes, that is me. I am that child of God. But at the end of the message, if you wholeheartedly cannot say, that is me, I am a child of God. You know, you came here, I am a child of, yeah, I'm a child of God. Well, there's, there's a few things you got to do in order to be a child of God. It is true that we are all descendants. We are all created by God, but not all of us are children of God. And how do we know that? It says in John chapter 1, verses 12, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yet to all who received him, I received the free gift of salvation. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I received that he died on the cross on behalf of my sins. I received that he died, and in that death, he rose in victory and gave me the victory. I received that, but now there's that second part. I believe it, and when you believe something, you begin to walk in that belief. There's an action step when you walk in that belief. So it's not just a receiving of Jesus and that free gift of salvation. Now it's a believing in it and walking it out. When I went to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, you need to lose some weight. I received that, and I looked down and I said, I believe you too. And so when I left that doctor's office, what did I do? I joined what everyone does, Planet Fitness. <laughs> it was the starter gym, but I believed it. And so I began to walk out that belief in year, or month after month, I began to shed those pounds. 
I went to the doctor again. He said, you're doing great. You don't need to do anything. You're like, no, doctor. I'm on a go, bro. I'm going to be 300 by the time you see me next time. But I believed him. I received what he had to say. I was open to receive it. I received it. And then I believed it. And so there were some action steps. A lot, a, a lot of times what happens in, our, in churches that are like, like us, it's very experience. And so you come in, you hear these great worship leaders singing, and you're like, oh my God, that bass player is hitting it right. That drums, oh my God, that snare when it cracks, oh my God. When they say lift your hands, I'm like, I'm like Rocky, I'll lift my hands. And like Pastor Jamie said last week, you come to the altar and you lay it down because the whole service, you're on this experience and the experience is great. You get to the altar, say, Lord, I surrender it all at the altar. And like Pastor Jamie said last week, and I was like, come on, somebody. You get up and you try to be sneaky and you pick everything that you dropped off back up to walk right out and be like, I'm just a little, I'm still a little comfortable with it. You receive the experience, but God is like, it's more than an experience, bro. You got to now walk it out, leave it all, let it go, follow me. And so we got to believe, not just receive. And so as I was studying this, I was like, oh my God, okay, how am I going to structure the body? And I just feel like God wants us to go on verse-to-verse basis. Is that cool? Can we go teaching style a little bit? All right. So we're going to go back to the top, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So we don't owe anything to our fleshly body. I like to think of it like this. When a person is diagnosed with cancer, they don't say, you know what? I owe it to the cancer for it to grow. My body is bringing it up. It's highlighting it. Those cells are growing exponentially. I owe it to it to grow. So I'm going I'm to keep feeding it. I'm not going to know. What do they do? They owe it to their family, right? They think of their family, and they think of their health. They think of how they feel. So they go to a surgeon, and they tell the surgeon and the doctors, remove it, eradicate it. I never want it again. It's the same thing with sin. We don't have an obligation to sin to feed it, because what does sin want the most? Think about it. There was one time I was, I was struggling a little bit. I was, I was on the brink of depression, and all I could hear Holy Spirit was saying, and it was holy because I was on my way to the gym. God and the gym work hand in hand. GG, God and gym. You know? They work hand in hand. I was on the way to the gym, and I, and I was feeling this, this, this heavy weight of depression. And I really heard Holy Spirit saying, walk it out. Walk it out. If you fall into that thing that you're so afraid not to fall into, what will happen? So I walked it out. And man, by the end of like the end, I was wrecked because all I could see was the wreckage behind me if I decided to go a route that God did not call me to. Sin only leads to death. Paul tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The Spirit wants to give us life, and life grows. Dead things grow too, but they grow down, down to hell. With God, healthy things grow up towards heaven. You never see a tree just growing down. You see the tree growing up because it's growing towards its creator. So we want to eradicate the sin. We don't owe it to our sinful nature. We don't owe it to our flesh to do what we want to do. It's my truth. 
That's the lamest excuse I've ever heard in my life. It's my truth. You know what's my truth? I don't want to wake up and feed my son at 3 in the morning. But if I know I don't, he's going to keep crying. And then I know my wife's going to hate me at 7 in the morning. And it's going to lead to an argument. An argument's going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing. We grow further and further and further apart. Before you know it, there's file for divorce. It starts small. It never starts something big. All I had to do was wake up at 3 in the morning and feed my son. And I would have saved myself. You know, it, it sounds dumb, but that's the reality. John Piper put it this way. He says, the Holy Spirit leads you into a war with sin so that by his spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. It is a war. You will have to wake up. You will have to deny yourself a lot of the times. You will have to say, no, that is not who I'm going to be. I'm not going to follow the same steps of my family. Yes, when you receive Jesus, you do break the general, general, generational curses. I like to call them chains of the family. But the enemy's creeping behind you say like, oh, but bro, they did it. You can do it too. And so you say, no, I'm not going to be that. Those chains were broken, but I'm going to continually come to you, Jesus, and say, make me stronger in walking forward in this life with you. And then that leads us to verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, and this is how you know you're a child of God, are the children of God. John 10, 27, and our radical mentoring guy should know this verse. It says, my sheep know my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And they follow me. So when we're led by the Spirit of God, we know his voice because there's an intimate relationship. When you're being led by something, you're not just being led by something. There is a connection. There is a relationship. There is an intimacy because I'm not going to let someone lead me unless I know who you are. I know what you've been through. I know your character. I don't just know you, but a few other people have confirmed who you are, your integrity, who you believe in as you, as an, uh, your identity, your, your foundational person. Then I'll be led by you. So with God, it's the same. There's this intimate relationship where he confirms who he is to you because you've received this grace and this love, and now you begin to follow him, and you begin to become this child of God who's continually being molded. And again, like I said, most times, a lot of us, I, I have this story as well, where we take that initial step. Oh, it's that easy just to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Bet. Got it. I receive you, God. And so we take that initial step, and then that's where it stops. When we do salvation call after sermon, we all pray that prayer together, and many pray that prayer with an earnest heart, ready to, re ready to receive and leave it all at the altar and follow Jesus. And we've seen thousands of people do that. But what happens, a lot of people stop there. But after that, I love what they did in, in Acts when Peter preached. He said, repent and be baptized. So you repented, you received, and then there is an action step right away. We don't do that as a church. We, we, we believe there's another way. And so our other way is like you join the community. I receive Jesus, but I don't just leave here alone. I leave connected now to the people I receive Jesus with. I join the community. After that, there's a following step. I, I join the mission, I join a crew, I now become this evangelist. Evangelist is a beautiful word of now I leave this building as a billboard wherever I go saying, Jesus loves you, I want to tell you about him. You know, you don't have to force your way on to people, you know, say, do you know Jesus? Bro, I'm just at the zoo, man, I'm just trying to look at the gorilla. 
sin is like the gorilla. No, no, bro, it's just a gorilla, chill. No, so there's these steps, and then you keep stepping, and then we're reminded that Paul says we run this race. So it's not a short-distance run. It's a long-distance run. It's our whole life. And so we keep following Jesus. We keep moving forward. It's that receiving of Jesus is an initial, but the children of God know far beyond the initial. They go beyond that. Every day, Lord, what is it today that you need me to do? He might say, you know, I need you to go to stop and shop, and then you're going to see someone who can't pay for the groceries pay for the groceries. But Lord, I only have enough for my groceries. Well, I don't know. Figure it out then. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do what you say. Let's go pay for somebody's groceries. I don't know what it might be, but there's this continual walk, and the children of God, the, the sheep that follow Jesus know his voice, and they follow his commands. And so, and so, there's some benefits of this adoption process. The first three verses, 12 through 14, Paul is highlighting the, the above scriptures, the above verses of living by the Spirit. And so he's making this transition with verse 14 into some of the benefits of this adoption process and what that looks like. And the first benefit that we get to is a benefit of security. This benefit of security when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we receive Jesus as our Father. And in 15, it says this, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. In the first part of this, it says, Live in fear. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Security. When I was reading this with the help of Tim Keller helped kind of shake these three points. A lot of us live in fear because we never had security in our own family. Yeah. Growing up that later in life, it wasn't until I came out here that I understood that I lacked security in who I was because I didn't know my standing in my family. And it wasn't my parents' fault. My mother was a single mother trying to figure it out, trying to feed three boys. You know three boys can eat. And so she had to figure it out, got all this new stuff. We lost the house. She tried her best. She worked multiple jobs. She cleans for a living. So she was working from, I was at 7 in the morning to like 8 at night every day, all week. And then on, we, I had her on Saturday, but even then she was finding jobs so she could put food on the table. There was moments where there was no food in the fridge. I didn't know that we were struggling. I just assumed that I was hungry. But luckily for the church, there was people who stepped up and said, hey, come over. We're going to feed you. That's not the point, but the point, the point I'm saying is my mom was trying her best and do what she could, so she was never around. So I really didn't have, I have a close relationship with my mom, I love my mom, mama's boy, but that security I didn't have with my mom. My dad was figuring out his life, so I didn't have a male figure in my life. I, I lacked that security as a man. I had to figure it out on my own. My older brothers were trying to figure out their life, so they weren't going to pour into me. They were figuring out their own, and so here I am, the baby of the family. Can you believe that I'm a baby? <laughs> the baby of the family trying to figure out who I am. Introduced to pornography at the age of eight. But I'm like, uh, I guess that's what men do. My uncle, my uncle said some things to me. He says, if you don't do this thing, you're gay. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not gay. So I'm going to do that. I'm figuring that all out. So okay. And then everyone's leading me left and right. So I'm like, well, I mean, if they say that's what a man does, and then that's what I'm going to do. I grew up in a religious church, and they say, if that's what, that, if that's what 
believers do that, okay, that's what I do. I'm going to be a, a very strict believer, legalistic to the bone. Didn't know I, I lacked a security in my family. A lot of you have gone through that same story where you've lacked a security, don't know who you are because your family never poured an identity into you, and you try to figure it out. You went with the waves to and fro, and you're like, I don't know who I am. I'm figuring it out, and we see it in this day and age that everyone on TikTok, usually almost everyone on TikTok, is fighting that, that base. They don't know who they are. I just read an article not too long ago that a few young people passed away doing something that went viral. We lack the security in who we are that we move to and fro. The amazing thing that Paul is getting at here is that he's saying, in God's family, God will never compromise your position in his family when you receive Jesus. He will never compromise you as a son and a daughter. He will never say you're not welcome here. You think of the prodigal son, right? What did he do? Spent all his inheritance, came back, the father opened his arms wide open, received him back with love, and killed his brother's calf, you know, and the brother was angry. And then the, what the father do to, to the, the other son, who also left the family but just was around? He said, everything I have is for you too. Don't be hard-hearted. He will never compromise your security when you receive him as your Lord and then your Savior. And, and folks, that's good news this morning, that Jesus will never put us at risk. But when we step into that family of God, he will always love us, and he always will. And then we read, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Cry, the Greek meaning of it is croak. Croak is like a raven's scream. A very, very loud scream. I, I've, I was debating on whether to do it when I read the scripture. I was like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Scare somebody. Some of y'all need to wake up. But, you know. Abba means daddy, papa. It's a weird term for a grown man to say that. I was on a phone call with my father once. It's so funny. I think about it every time. And we were talking, we we're in the conversation. I said, I don't know, I don't remember what I said, but I said, yes, daddy. And in that moment, I was like, who the heck is that? Like, what? <laughs> like a grown man saying daddy? Not that my dad and I don't have a close relationship. I just, like, I stepped back. I said, <clears throat> yes, sir. And I brought the voice down, make sure my dad knew who I was. Like, yes, sir, I'm a man, you know, yes, sir. But here it's showing the intimacy that God is craving with us. Abba, Daddy, Daddy, God, Papa, I love you. And it's amazing because the only other part in Scripture that we read this is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cries out to his Father, Abba, let this cup pass by me, but not your will, not my will be done, your will be done. And in all of Old Testament, you don't see this word once. In, in reverence to God or in, in, in talking to God. In the Old Testament, there was this really rigid relationship with God. They called him Yahweh, and he is Yahweh. They called him Lord, and he is Lord. But they never shared this intimate nature that now we get to have with God because they never, they never wanted to cross it. I'm not sure. We can't go back then. But it was never shared that they share in this Abba factor. We get to come before God and call him Daddy. And it's such a beautiful picture of this intimate nature that we have with our creator that we get to call him Daddy. And we don't got to be weird about it. And the second benefit that we have in this adoption process is confidence. We get a confidence when you become a child of God. You get a confidence, a walk to your step. I know who I am. 
You don't have to ask that question, do you know who I am? You change it with an exclamation, a statement. I know who I am. And we read in 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Paul here is using another legal term, testify, to bear witness that we are God's children. It's like, have you ever done something amazing and you're around a group of people and you look back to make sure that you did that thing that was amazing? You ever done that? No? Just me? Okay. Good. Sometimes I, sometimes I need affirmation. That's fine. I remember one time, this is not a good thing, I remember one time, I'm not an athletic person when it comes to sports. I was playing basketball, and I was on the B team, just to tell you how bad I was. Playing basketball, we were at this middle school playing against this team, and their team was amazing, amazing. They had this guy who had, like, one of the biggest afros I've ever seen, and he was tatted. I should have asked for, like, his birth certificate because he was definitely not our age. Again, this is middle school. He was, like, six foot ten. I don't know. Maybe I'm exaggerating. And we were playing, and I did this amazing play against the B team, so in my eyes, we're probably going super fast, but in everyone else's eyes, it was like super slow and rigid. I, I steal the ball, and I'm running, and I'm, again, I'm the center, so I don't know how to dribble. I'm not great at basketball. I'm dribbling to the goal, or the basketball hoop. And, so I'm calling it a goal. There you go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you already know. You're like, oh, man, he doesn't even know. He's talking about soccer now. He's way off. <laughs> and so I'm going to this hoop, right? I'm about, whatever. And I'm dribbling. T tells you why I didn't pursue this life, you know. <laughs> God called me to the ministry, amen. But anyway, I'm dribbling. And I'm going to this hoop. <laughs> y'all stop, y'all stop. I'm going to this hoop. And I think I'm Magic Johnson. So I'm done. Ah! I shoot it. It goes behind the backboard. It goes further than you can even see. I know it's bad. Everyone in the room knows it's bad. They're all laughing. So I look at my sideline, and I look at them, and they look at me, and they're like, yeah, it was that bad. It was that bad. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's testifying, like, yeah, you are a child of God. Yeah, that, that's right. I'm testifying to you to let you know it is good news. You are a child of God. Beyond all reasonable doubt, you are a child of God when you are led by the Spirit of God. Frame it this way. Let's, let's reframe this, this paraphrase. The Spirit himself with our spirit, testifies with our spirit, that beyond all reasonable doubt, we are children of God. Amen? And because I see a few youth in the building, this is for you. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, comma, no cap, comma, we are children of God. Come on, somebody. That's good news this morning. You get to walk with your shoulders high. You get to feel a confidence in your spirit. I think about it sometimes. I look at Pastor Marco. I look at Pastor Steve Boyce. I look at Billy Graham. I look at all the greats. I look at some of our mothers in the building. I think of Brenda Lee. And I see them walk with such a confidence. And I see them walk with such a, a, a strength and a, and a spirit. And it's not that they don't go through hard things. If you sat with them and heard their story, you'd be like, oh my God, didn't know you went through that. But when you receive this free gift of salvation, and when you are led by the Spirit of God, and you understand that you are a child of God, there is a confidence that comes over you where you're like, hell or high water, 
I am not leaving this family of God. Hell or high water, I'm going to walk through it because I know God is going to make a way for me. Hell or high water, I know He is the God of yesterday, today, and forever, so I should not fear. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for the Lord our God is with us. He is with us always. He sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and He anoints my head with oil. So, Lord, I'm going to dwell in your house from this day on. I am a child of God. Come on, church. We are children of the Most High God. Hallelujah. And so we move on to the third benefit, endurance. Now, you said endurance, and I'm about to talk about some running. We get this benefit of endurance. Now, each and every of these benefits doesn't require us to actually die to ourselves. Not at all. It does require us to die to ourselves. But it's a benefit that we get when we walk with God. He's walking with us and he helps us. Because what does the Bible say? Not by power, not by might, but by his spirit. And so the third one is endurance. Verse 17 says this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. In September, me and a few guys, we're going to go and do this Spartan race in Vermont. 13 miles, 30 obstacles. Super excited about it, very scared at the same time. This past week on Wednesday, Freddie and I, we ran a trial run, a test run, and I've never suffered and hated (laughs) Freddie so much in my life doing this. We got through it, and you know what? I finished 10 minutes behind him. If you don't know him, he's like half my size. He's like half my size. And I, I stayed with him. You know, 10 minutes over, but hey, I stayed with him. And so we're training for the Spartan race, right? And I have it in my head. Every single one of the guys going, I have it in our heads that the reward of crossing the complete, the, the, the finish line, is, that's what's going to happen. We're going to f- cross that finish line. But we know in order to cross that finish line, we got to put in the work. And that work requires suffering. Now, work requires some ligament pain, some joint pain. It's going to require some, some exhaustion. It's going to require some, like, I don't think I can do this. It's going to require pain. It's going to require a few things, resistance. It's going to require all these things, but I know crossing that finish line is going to be so glorious, and I'm not even going to remember any of the training I did. I'm just going to remember I finished this race. And that is the same in the kingdom of God. There's an inheritance set before us when we become children of God. We just don't receive this free gift of salvation. And even that, that's good enough. But he goes even further beyond. He says, yours is the kingdom. He says, there's going to be a new earth, a new heaven. You're going to get a, a new body. Some of y'all just said, oh, man, oh, wow. And in Revelations, John tries his best to encapsulate what heaven's going to be like. But then we're going to get to heaven and be like, man, he was way off. There's a reward. There's an inheritance that we have as children. When a son is adopted in the Roman context, everything that now is the father's is the son, the children. We get that. So there's an inheritance. And next week, we're going to get into that. But there's an inheritance. There's a reward. If we're running this race and we're going to that finish line, we're going to cross that finish line. We have to endure some of the suffering that comes along. There's going to be pain. There's going to be hurt and heartache. Jesus says, take heart, I overcome the world. But before, before he said that, he said this. He says, you will 
find trouble. You will have trouble. He guaranteed us that we will have trouble. But when we walk with God, when we walk with the Father, when we walk with the Spirit, those sufferings, we've had many people go through some hard, hard situations in our church the past year. And I saw a few of them this morning lifting their hands and shouting, I am a child of God. Where do you think that comes from? Does it come from them? Or is it the Spirit testifying to them like, hey, I'm good. You got this. I'm with you. Our glory, our inheritance is going to be based on our suffering. I'm going to invite you to stand in the band to come back up. Y'all suffering to get up. I see that. <laughs> it's already started. What does suffering look like? Jesus told us in Luke chapter 9, verses 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves the deeds of the flesh, those things, those selfish things that we cling to, sexual morality, that pride, the greed, whatever it may be, to deny yourself those things, to take up your cross daily, the suffering, the cross is suffering. No one in that time would ever pick up a cross. Everyone knew that that meant that someone was to death. It was a death sentence. So he said, pick that up. Pick up that death sentence, that suffering. That means the unchosen circumstances that just come in life, whatever it comes, whatever it may be, that you pick that up and that you follow him. Because all the suffering we go through is for a reason. It's to bring glory to God, of course, but it's to shape us. It's to mold us and to rely solely on the Father. And children of God rely on the Father. Everything we have isn't because we have it, it's because of the Father. The free gift of salvation, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his son, so that we could become his children. So everything we have is because the Father. He chose you, and so he leaves it to you to choose him and to live in that reality. And so as we step into this moment of a call to salvation, there's a few steps. One, you're going to pray this prayer. And if you couldn't say, yes, I am a child of God, pray this prayer. And remember, it's an initial step. After this step comes the next step. You connect to the community. You take some next steps. That's a great name for a ministry, right? So right after service, you're going to see people with some signs say, if you want, do you want a free Bible? Come on, it's free. Get a free Bible and connect to the community. Talk to them. And then there's, an, there's another step where you can do whatever step you want to do. We're going to open up the time for altar. Now, we did something great. Most of you in the back can't see, but we've extended the carpet from left to right all the way to fill the front. We've seen too many people try to come and find a spot. They couldn't, and then they leave. 
We don't want that. We want you to come and find a space. So the altar is open to you. We actually broke them off in sections. This is Adriana's idea. Super soakers on the left and the right. And then anyone wants to get prayed for in the middle. I'm just kidding. You can come. Prayer leaders will, will come and pray for you wherever you go. But if you really want to be a super soaker, there's a corner on each side. Um, go over there. Come to the altar. Get prayed for. Pastor Jensen Franklin says the altar alters your life. So come to the altar and get your life altered by leaving it at the altar and leaving without it and walking into this new life. And then just don't leave quickly. A lot of you got, you're going nowhere. Go to cafe. We got so coffee. Get some coffee. Talk to somebody. Bump it to somebody just so that they connect, can connect with you. The community, that's your next step. So if you couldn't say wholeheartedly, yes, I'm a child of God, this prayer is for you. And if it's your first time today and you hear this message and you say, like, I, I do want to follow that God. I do want to follow the Father. This prayer is for you. And everyone who can answer, yes, I am a child of God, this prayer is for you too. Because every day we want to sanctify ourselves to be aligned to the Father and His will. So would you close your eyes, bow your heads. Like Pastor says, mind your business. And let's pray. Holy Father, we love you, God. And we thank you, Jesus, that you gave your Son to die for me. So I receive this free gift of salvation. And I believe in my heart. And Lord, your word says that I am saved. Now, Lord, give me the security. Lord, give me the confidence. Lord, give me the endurance to continue to walk with you. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen.